0: I thank God for those who have poured into my life. I want to tell you the story about Earl. Earl is now 94 years old, uh, back from the town where I grew up. But about 10 years ago, uh, so Earl was 84, Earl asked my brother and I if we'd go to the mountains with him. He had a really nice cabin, but the pine beetles had attacked the uh, Rocky Mountains pretty bad, and there were a lot of trees that were infected with pine beetles up at his cabin. And so he asked my younger brother and I if we'd come up and cut down a dozen or so trees for him and chop them up so that he could get rid of the pine beetle on his property. So my brother and I loaded up our our chainsaws, we headed up into the mountains, and we got up there and he had marked carefully a dozen or so trees. And so we fired up the chainsaws and we got to work. To our dismay, 84-year-old Earl hobbling up the mountain with a chainsaw in hand decided he was going to help. And we quickly realized that we had two missions that day. The first mission was to keep one of the chainsaw blades dull so the earl had something to do. (laughs) The second mission was to cut down the trees. And so it was a great, it's a very memorable day. Um, We dropped a lot of trees. We dropped one on the wasp nest. I got stung, but it was a good day of having a lot of fun. What struck me, though, is what continues to strike me about Earl. As he's aged, he has continued to have a passion for God. And that passion is based on his confidence that God's going to fulfill the promises that God has made for him. We're going to look in the Bible at another person who is passionate, who is confident in God's promises. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Joshua 14. And as we look at Joshua 14... I want you to see that as a church, we need to confidently declare, I know how this story ends, and God wins. That's how Caleb responded. Caleb had the confidence in God. So what we will look at is we will see that God's promises are the foundation for our confidence. We'll see that God's promises are the source of our passion, and we're going to see that God's promises give us hope for tomorrow. So numbers or, sorry Joshua 14. Before I tell you about Joshua 14 specifically, I need to make sure we're all on the same page with the history that has led us to this point. Joshua is a book about the conquest of the land of Canaan. But before we can understand the conquest of the land of Canaan, we have to understand what happened leading up to this. Israel was freed from Egypt and they marched to the land of Canaan. When they got to the land of Canaan, Moses sent out 12 spies. These 12 spies were charged with the responsibility of exploring the land, finding out what kind of land it was, and determining whether or not they could take the land. The 12 spies went in the land, they walked throughout the land, and what they discovered in Numbers chapter 13 was that the land was a beautiful, amazing land, but there were a lot of mighty warriors in the land, a lot of mighty fortresses. There were giant men, giant warriors, and the spies gave a conflicting report. Ten of them said, there is no way. We could never conquer this land. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, we could do it. God's got this. Well, the people rebelled against God and they went with the 10 spies. They said majority wins or something like that. They went with the 10 spies and said, we're not doing this. We're not touching it. God said, fine, because you have decided not to trust me. I'm going to set you aside and put you on hold. In fact, I'm going to put you on hold for so long that nobody who was part of this decision not to go into the land, will have the opportunity to go into the land. And for 40 years, technically 38 years, they wandered in the wilderness, waiting for every single one of those individuals who had said no to die. That's where Joshua picks up, is after 38 years, they finally are ready to go into the land with a whole new generation of people that are willing to trust God. So that's the background that we get to when we get to Joshua 14. And we're going to start in verses 6. And I'm going to read it section by section here, so we'll start with Joshua 14, verses 6 through 9. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kinezite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. What I want you to see here is that for Caleb, God's promises were the foundation of his confidence. For us today, God's promises are the foundation of our confidence. Caleb referenced Deuteronomy 136, where God had promised through Moses. God had promised Caleb the land that you walked on, the very land where there were giant warriors, the land that seems unconquerable will be yours. Caleb knew God's promises. He knew Deuteronomy 136. He cited that in talking to Joshua and said, Moses told me this would be mine. I am confident in God. But I want you to see a couple of other things that are going on here. Did you catch how Caleb was introduced to us? Caleb, son of Yefunah. That's pretty standard biblical language. Caleb, son of. you, You know somebody by their parents, and that's fine. But then it adds in this term, the Kinezite. Well, what is that? Who are the Kinezites? The Kinezites were a completely separate people group. The Kinezites were around back with Abraham's time. The Kinezites were not Israelites. This means at some point, some of the Kinezites must have joined the Israelites, and Caleb was a descendant of the Kinezites. So I want you to catch this, because this has continued to sort of blow my mind over the last couple of days as I've thought about this passage. Caleb had the wrong blood. Caleb was of the wrong people. Caleb was not, by blood, an Israelite. But God still made a promise to him. God still honored him. One of the things as a church that excites me is the generations of families that we have in our church, families who have grown up in our church, families who have been a part of our church for decades. That's one of the things that excites me. One of the other things that excites me is the people in our church who didn't grow up in our church, but are here. Who maybe haven't been here for decades, but are here. You see, God makes promises to people regardless of what their blood is, regardless of how long they've been part of the group. We are here together as a family before God. And God's working powerfully, whether you've been here for 40 years or whether you've been here for three months. God's in this, and we're in this together. Caleb received promises, even though he was of the wrong blood. I want you to also notice Caleb's confidence. Caleb's confidence was resolutely in God. Caleb uses the phrase, the Lord my God. The Lord my God. Adonai Elohim, talking specifically about this is not just some random God out there who's promised me something. No, this is the God I know. He's my God, and he made me a promise, and he's going to fulfill it. In our NIV, it says, however, I followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. The idea of a wholehearted follow, it's a nautical term from sailing. And it's the idea of set on course. To be set, no matter what, we're going to accomplish this. He wholeheartedly trusted God. Confidence without knowing why is not confidence. Confidence without knowing the promise is not confidence. It might be arrogance It might be ignorance. But confidence without knowing why is not confidence. We have confidence in God because we know his promises. Let me give you an action step. In order to be confident in God, we have to know his promises. We need to know the Bible to know the promises of God. So my action step for you is to read your Bible. Over the next couple of weeks, Make this a priority. Make prayer prayer a priority. Take the time to grow your knowledge of what God has promised us. I was very encouraged over Easter week at the number of people who took on the challenge to pray and read their Bible on a daily basis. And the number of stories I heard of people who grew, who were able to participate in Easter in a unique way because of that dedication to knowing God better, I want to remind you of that. Be in your Bible. God will bless that time. Okay, second point is going to come out of verses 10 through 12. So let's read 10 through 12, and then we'll talk about the point. 10 through 12 says, Now then, just as the Lord had promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there, and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. God's promises are the source of our passion. God's promises are the source of our passion. Think about this. 45 years. 38 years Caleb wandered in the wilderness. 38 years Caleb paid for a sin he never committed. Everyone else had had committed that sin. For 38 years, Caleb resolutely stood on the promises of God, waiting At the end of 38 years, Caleb waited another seven years. As war raged on, war is not pretty. We know that. We see that on TV. Caleb waited seven years while war waged so that he could receive the promises of God. Caleb watched and waited for 45 years. But beyond just watching and waiting... Caleb's vigor remained. It doesn't say, but I picture Caleb hitting the gym every day, getting ready for the battle. Okay, probably there wasn't, you know, a fitness planet, a planet fitness in the desert or anything like that. But I don't imagine Caleb just sitting back and saying, ah, 44 years to go, I'm enjoying my uh, tea on the beach. No. Caleb, it appears, anticipated. His vigor remained. He was preparing himself, getting ready for 45 years. But his faith also did not fade. Look at how he describes the cities in the passage. He doesn't say, oh, these little cities, we're just going to walk all over them. No, he says these are strong and fortified cities. But with the Lord helping me, The emphasis there is on God. With the Lord helping me, we'll drive them out. With God's help, we've got this. This is not going to be a problem. Yes, it looks insurmountable. But God's got this. The Lord's going to help me. As a church, we look to raise Christ followers. We look to grow Christ followers. That can be an insurmountable challenge that it looks like at times. But God's got this. He's building our church. We're looking to raise a very large sum of money for the remodel. It might look insurmountable at times. But God's got this. We're going to be doing this for three years. That's a lot of time. Think how much changed in the last three years. May 2019... Is your world different today? Yeah. But God is the one who's the source of our passion. And for 45 years, Caleb maintained his passion. We can do it for three. We can keep our passion alive. So my challenge, my action step, is reignite or ignite your passion for God's work. God is at work. Reignite that passion I know it's easy for it to fade. Don't let it fade. Reignite it. God is at work. God is doing things. Let's look at verses 13 to 15. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Yefunah, and gave him Hebron as an inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Yefunah, the Kinezite, ever since. Because he followed the Lord God of Israel wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. God's promises are our hope for tomorrow. The first thing I want you to see here is God did fulfill the promise. Caleb received the blessing. God fulfilled the promise. At there, at the beginning, in verse 15, Joshua blessed Caleb. That's how our NIV translates it. The idea there, though, is not just a, uh, "Oh, yeah, you betcha." that's not what Joshua says. Joshua gives a special blessing, and the word here really means for Joshua to call upon God himself to intervene, to give Caleb a supernatural blessing empowerment to accomplish the task at which Caleb has asked. Okay, that's a lot, so we translate it as blessed. But it's a special word that means, God, please empower Caleb to accomplish this task that he has just asked to be given. And what does God do? He shows up in a mighty way. In fact, look at what happens. The name of the city that Caleb conquers, used to be Kiriath Arba. We're told what that means. A name of a city named after a mighty warrior. Go back in time, 45 years. What had the ten spies told Israel that convinced them not to enter the land? There's mighty giants here, mighty warriors, people that we can't possibly defeat. So what does 85-year-old Caleb inherit? The city of the mighty giants that the rest of Israel, in the prime of their strength, cowered before. 85-year-old Caleb receives that as his inheritance. 85-year-old Caleb sees victory. 85-year-old Caleb is given a great honor because 85-year-old Caleb is allowed to change the name of the city. No longer will it be named after the mighty giant. From now on, it will be named Hebron, which means place of joining, place of bringing together. And we're told the land has peace. After Caleb, the land has peace. The nation is brought together The conquest is completed and Caleb is identified as one who brought peace to the nation. God's servant was honored because he relied on God's promises. He placed his confidence in God's promises. I want to give you an action step. Place your hope in God. God is our hope. His promises are our hope. God is the one who can accomplish great things. I take you back again to verse verse 12 where Caleb says, the Lord helping me, I will drive them out. God is our hope. He is the one who can accomplish great things. There is no city too powerful. There is no task too big for our God. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 16, 18. This is going to be our scripture memory verse of the month. Matthew 16, 18 really could be broken into two halves. The second half is the one I'm most interested in. But Matthew 16, 18 comes at a profound moment after Jesus has asked his disciples, who am I? Who do people say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ. And this is Jesus' response. Let's read this together. Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus, in response to Peter, changes his name to Peter, and then he says, on this rock, not on Peter, that's not what he's saying, on this rock, on Jesus himself, I will build my church. That is a promise from Jesus. He has promised us that he will build his church. I believe he is building his church here. He is doing the work. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Last week we talked about faith. And we showed you a piece of a puzzle. Faith results in faithfulness. Today I want to add to that faith promise. Faith plus promise leads to confidence. Will you join me in putting our confidence in the God who said he will build his church? We get to join in that. We get to participate in that. It should be our passion because it's God at work and if God's at work, it can't fail. It cannot fail if God's the one who's in it. So let's join with God as a church and put our passion in God's work. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Caleb's confidence Confidence in your promises. Confidence in your work. He is a giant of the faith. One that I look at and I'm just struck by his faith to have waited 45 years to see the fulfillment of your promise but never to have lost his passion, never to have lost his vigor, never to have lost his hope in you. I pray that as a church, we would be confident in you, knowing what you're doing, knowing that all of these little pieces along the way are evidence of the way you're working. Help us to put our confidence in you. Help us to put our trust in you. The goals that we've set seem big, but we know we serve a bigger God. I pray that we would confidently trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.